Well, thank you, everyone. In the book of First Peter this morning, if you will turn your, in your Bible there again with me, First Peter chapter number 3, and the same text that we used last week. And the subject today is called to be a blessing, called to be a blessing. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Why don't you stand with me as we read God's Word together? 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8. Finally, why don't we all read it together? You have, it's a short passage, 8 and 9, if you will. Together, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. And I've also, as I did last week, I want to read it to you from the Amplified Version, which I think serves as a very good commentary here because it's a little difficult to understand it in our King James. So read it with me there. Let's read it together again. Everybody good and loud and strong now. It's cold outside, but we got to keep it warm in here. Amen. All right. We believers are called for this very purpose to bless, eulogize, never return evil for evil or insult for insult. But on the contrary, blessing, praying for their welfare happiness and protection, truly pitying and loving them, for know that to this you have been called, that you may yourselves inherit a blessing from God. Thank you, and you may be seated. The text says in both of those versions of Scripture that we are called to bless other people. Now, I want you to note that if you don't get anything else, that's the title of the message this morning. We are called to be a blessing. The Amplified there said we are called for this very purpose. This very purpose. What is the purpose? To bless. To bless other people, obviously, and to bless the Lord. And then at the end of the passage, it says, know that to this you have been called. And the context is blessing. Know that to this thing, you have been called to bless other people. And notice, if you will, at the end of verse number nine there, there's a promise. There's a promise. Mark it in your Bible. Thereunto you have been called that you should inherit a blessing. So the Bible is simply saying we are called to be a blessing to other people. And If we will carry that out, we will ourselves be blessed. Okay, you got it? Do you really get that? You're not asleep on me or daydreaming somewhere, are you? You have been called, you have been called to be a blessing. And if we are a blessing to other people, then we will be blessed ourselves. Bless and be blessed. Last week, I spent a lot of my time trying to take you through the four words that are used in the Bible in the Greek and Hebrew language that are translated by either the word bless, blessing, 
or blessed. There are three different ways those words are translated. And by the way, the Bible uses the words bless, blessing, blessed 496 times, almost 500 times. Now, when God says something once, it's true. And when he says it 500 times, we really better listen, hadn't we? It must be important. And I talked to you about how that in the first use of the word bless is in Genesis 1 and 22. In Genesis 1 and 22, it's the end of the fifth day of creation. The only thing left to create is the higher order of animal life and man himself. And God then blesses the creation, the first five days of his accomplishment. He looks at it and he says, it's good. He blesses it. The word there is a word in Hebrew that actually has the idea of to speak a a benediction. So God spoke a benediction, if you will, over the creation that he had himself made. He says, it's good. And the word there means to speak well of. So if you bless somebody, you speak well of them. If you talk about them, you're not blessing them. You bless them when you speak well of other people. You put a benediction upon them, as it were. And then in the book of Mark, chapter 10, we see the New Testament equivalent of that same word, and the word is actually eulogize. Isn't that strange? We think of a eulogy being at a funeral over a dead person. But Jesus in Mark chapter 10 has little children come to him. And the Bible says he laid his hand upon them and he eulogized them. He blessed them. And it's almost the same word as the Old Testament word. It means to speak a good word. So when you bless another person, you speak a good word to them. That's so simple. You say, is that what you're talking about for a month? Exactly. I'm glad you got it. Yes. Learning to speak good words about people. Learning to speak well of people rather than to gossip and criticize, which comes so naturally. Now, then we go to Psalm 1. The word is Esher. And in Matthew 5, the word is makarios, but both of those words, one in Hebrew, the other in Greek, mean the same thing. What do they mean? They have the idea of describing a state of mind. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1 says, who does certain things. It's a state of mind. And Jesus said in the Beatitudes, which you're familiar with on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the persecuted. In every case, it has the idea of people being fortunate, being happy in life, having peace, being satisfied in their souls, knowing that they have God's approval. It means that God may bless us materially and physically with wealth and with health and with things like that. On the other hand, everybody is not promised that, but we all can claim God's spiritual blessing, his blessing of joy and peace and forgiveness in our hearts. And so those are the words translated blessing, to speak a good word, to speak well of, 
a state of mind to be happy and fortunate and having it inside the sense that we have God's approval upon our life. Now, don't you want that this year? Don't you want the Lord to think well of you? And don't you want other people to speak well of you and to speak good words about you? And above all, don't you want to be happy and fortunate and sense in your heart that you have God's approval in your life? Do you want that or not, church? You don't act very enthusiastic about it. Man, I want that. I want that more. If I had that, you know what the Bible says? The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. Now, it doesn't say always that we're going to get that financially, but if we have God's blessing, we can be rich in our lives. So, how can we have that blessing, and how can we today be a blessing? How can we be that blessing that God has called us to be? And number one, if you take notes with me, we're called to bless people with our words. You can be a blessing to other people by the use of your words or by our speech, if you will. You know, I believe something from the bottom of my heart. I believe that more than anything in the world, you can know a person about what comes out of their mouth. What people say, you just listen for a while, and you will be able to pretty well figure out who and what a person is. Our words, more than anything else, reveal who we are and what we are. And I want you to turn back to the book of Luke in your Bible. This is worth you taking the time to turn there to chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, the Lord Jesus is the spokesman. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, because it shows us this principle, this law of life, this idea that more than anything, a person's words reveal who they are and what they are. Luke 6 and 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Underline that in your Bible. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And you've heard me say it. I guess if you've been here for a while, a thousand times, write it down. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Y'all say it with me now. I've said it so much, don't you? Which means I can just listen to a fella and what's down in his heart and what's in his mind and the way that he truly feels. If you listen for a while, it's going to come out. What's down in the well will come up in the bucket. The little maid standing around at the crucifixion scene of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter walks in, and he's warming his hands at the fire. And he begins to talk to the people there. And she said to him, you're from Galilee, aren't you? You're one of them. You're one of his followers. Peter said, oh, no. She said, yes, you are. Your speech betrayeth you. Ah, your speech betrayeth you. And you know what today? Our speech betrayeth us, does it not? 
And I'm not talking about a fellow with a New England accent down here in the South. That's true, too. But I'm talking about what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. You want to know what a person is? Listen to them talk. And the Bible says in the book of James that out of the same mouth sometimes comes blessing and cursing. And then he said, my brethren, these things ought not to be. You can know a person by the words that they use. And if we're called to bless, then, of course, we must speak the right kind of words. So that's how we bless people, by the way we talk to them in ordinary life. In fact, I think it's a law that you can put down in life. To live a full and meaningful life, I think every one of us needs to receive good words from other people. We need other people to bless us with their words. I need that. You need that. But I don't want to sit around and say, hey, I want you to bless me. That's not the idea. The idea is for me to go on the initiative, to take the initiative, and for me to say, I want to bless them by the things that I say. My mouth can either be a blessing or a curse, and I will choose to use it to bless we live in such a negative world today, don't we? We've just gone through this political campaign. It, wasn't it awful? I mean, wasn't it awful? The name calling and the way that people treated each other and spoke to, other, uh, to each other in public, I mean. I, I would have been embarrassed, I think, to be able to do that. But the allegations and accusations were flying. But it's, it's, it's just typical of life in America today. Everything is so negative. And if you and I decide to bless people with our words, you know what? We're going to stand out. Because everything in life is negative, just about. 90% of it's negative. Did anybody ever get pulled by a cop and given a ticket for good driving? No, I don't think so. It's always, he caught you with bad driving, didn't he? What do teachers mark on students' papers? Mistakes. Do you ever have a teacher say, ah, check, 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 check. You got this one wrong. I left one blank. That was the one you missed. No, that's the one they always put in red, isn't it? Everything in life tends to be negative. And boy, has social media not accelerated that. Wow. People get behind a keyboard and say things they would never say to your face. You, they know you'd bust them if they said that to you uh, person to person. They, they get very courageous if they're miles away and behind a, a, a keyboard, don't they? And so if we could learn how to bless people with our words, we would stand out. We had a situation here a few years ago at the church, in the school rather, and uh, we had a child who just absolutely made up a story. Made up a story. I mean, every part of it was fabricated. Went home and told the mother the story. And you know what the mother did? Before she ever calls the school, the teacher, the principal, or anybody, you know where she goes? Facebook. And she writes up this horrible indictment of our school and our teacher and said awful things about the school and, and the teacher. And uh, Mr. Berry found out about it. Parents were calling over here in a panic. And so we call the little girl in, and she goes over and talks to the teacher. Well, the little girl made the whole story up. 
And that's happening over and over and over through this social media phenomenon today. And uh, rather than blessing, looking for an opportunity to bless, we really need to be careful. I learned a little nursery rhyme when I was a kid. You probably did too. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. Wrong. Words do hurt. Words do harm. Words can destroy a reputation. Words can discourage and suck the life out of somebody. Words can cripple people emotionally. And God's people should not be talking like that. We are, we are called to bless. We're called to bless. You want to know how to change your year this year? You want to know how to change the way people respond to you? Try to speak positively to every person you meet about something. It's hard with some people, I know. But try to speak positively. I heard about two fellows in jail. One was always positive. Everything that was said to him. And so they came and got his cellmate. And and he said, well, where are y'all going? And the cellmate said, well, this is the day they're going to electrocute me. He thought, what can I say positive? He said, more power to you. (laughs) If you look hard enough, you can find something good to say in every situation, can't you? More power to you. In every situation, you determine you're going to say something, something that will bless and help other people. I don't know if that was a blessing to that man or not. Here's something interesting as I go through my Bible. God is a blesser. Do you ever think about that? God is always blessing people. What does it say about the devil? It says in Revelation, he is the accuser of the brethren. Satan is always yapping. Satan is always negative. Satan is always tearing down. And God is the one who always is. God blessed Abraham. God blessed Isaac. God blessed Jacob. He blessed Joseph. He blessed Daniel. Always, you go through the Bible, blessing, blessing, blessing is coming from the lips of the Lord. Think about what he said about his own son. Here's an example of blessing other people. Jesus comes to the earth, and now he presents himself for his public ministry. We're in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus stands in the water, and John is about to baptize him. And what does the father say about his son? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. See, he spoke that benediction. He spoke that eulogy, those good words, those strong words. This is my beloved son, my approved of and admired and esteemed and highly respected son, in whom I am well pleased. He spoke well of him. He spoke good words of him. Last week, I used an illustration, but I read it in a book by Peter Lord, and it's such a powerful illustration. Bill Glass, the evangelist down in Florida, observed in his going to prisons and preaching that very few Jews were in prison. And this is years ago, 30 years ago, they did this study. There were 60,000 prisoners in the prisons in Florida, and only 13 of them were Jews. 
And Bill Glass began to investigate. I told you the story last week, and I haven't forgotten that I told it to you. I want to emphasize it. I want you to get it, and some of you were not here. And I want you to remember this when you talk to your children. What do the Jews know that they speak over their children that other people don't? Well, there's a, he, Bill Glass found out that in the, in the Jewish culture, the parents are always continuously blessing their children, speaking good words to them, speaking a benediction, speaking a, a, a eulogy, as it were, in, in the biblical sense, speaking encouraging words and lifting them up, helping them to always be encouraged. And he attributed the fact that there were so many Jewish children who got into trouble with the law. He attributed that at least partially to the fact the way the parent was always encouraging. Dads, when was the last time you just called your child in and said, I'm really proud of you? When was the last time that you spoke well and encouraging words for no particular reason, not to acknowledge that he hit a home run, but to acknowledge that this child is just worthy in and of himself because he is your child. Think about that. Are we blessing our children? God is a blesser. Satan is the accuser. Oh, the power of words. I wish I could, I wish I had two hours to talk to you about the power of words, what a word can do. I let the Bible speak. You might, don't look these up. Just mark it there, maybe in the margin of your Bible, if you'd like some, a whole chain of uh, words or a, a, a whole chain of references that would describe the power of words. Job chapter 6 and verse 25. How forcible are right words. What a phrase. How forcible, how powerful is it to speak right words, good words, blessed words. Proverbs 18 and 21, the power of life and death is in the tongue. The power of death, yes, we can kill someone's self-esteem. We can kill someone's vision. We can kill someone's drive. We can kill someone's view of, of, of their opportunity. We can Destroy their confidence with the wrong words. Isaiah 50 and verse 4. Speak a word in season to him that is weary. My, what a great phrase. Speak a word in season at the appropriate moment to him that is weary, the discouraged, the downtrodden, the person who's been beat up by life. We speak that word that will bless them. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 reminds us that even when we're speaking the truth, we must be careful that we speak the truth in love. Even when I speak the truth, my idea is not to take the truth out like a hunting knife and skin the person. My idea is to take the truth out and use it to encourage and strengthen and help people. Even when you speak the truth, it must be mixtured with love. Hebrews 3 and 13 simply is this, encourage one another. Encourage one another. And that's, you know, really, folks, I exhort you, when we come to church, we ought to be looking for opportunities to speak encouragement to each other. This ought to be the place, this ought to be the, the, the place where the glory of God pours out 
like a rainstorm on us. When we walk in here, we ought to be looking for opportunities to bless and encourage one another. The scripture says that. I read something I really like. Seven foods that nourish the soul. Now, somewhere on the margin there of that church program today, write these seven words down or put them in your Bible because if we would use these, you can change the atmosphere around you in 2017 if you'll take my word on this and you try it. And if it doesn't work, you come back next year and I'll give you your money back. But you use these seven words in your normal life and you'll change the way people relate to you. You'll, you'll heal some really bad relationships. Number one is appreciation. Seven foods that nourish our soul. Appreciation. Thank you. A little note. When you go to the restaurant, for heaven's sakes, don't give them a tract that says Baptist Temple on it and then not leave a tip. I don't want to be known as the people that love the Lord but are tight-fisted. I went the other night, Wednesday night a week ago. We hadn't had a chance to eat supper. It had been a busy day and Of all places, I went to a pizza place at 10 o'clock on Friday night. I know, don't come up and lecture me about eating pizza at 10 o'clock at night. I understand I'll never do it again. I jumped off of the Eiffel Tower into the Sahara Desert. And all night wrong, I was fighting dragons and all kinds of things were going on. So I will never go there again at 10 o'clock on Wednesday night. But I went there. And it was cold, and the guy behind the counter was sort of grumpy and unhappy acting. And, and I thought how, you know, I was thinking about this series, and, and honestly, I was thinking about how blessed I am. And he acted so unhappy. I thought I'd be unhappy too if it was 10 o'clock on Wednesday night and a cold, old, damp December night, and I'm having to be in a pizza joint at 10 I get to go home to a loving wife and a nice home and all that. And so the Lord convicted me. I reached in my heart or my pocket and I said, I'm going to bless him. I had a couple bucks. He handed me the pizza. And you don't normally tip at a place like that, but I slapped a couple dollars down there. Man, he lit up like a Christmas tree. Just, just blessing people by a little $2 tip. And I'm I'm not telling you that story to make me look good. I'm just telling it illustrates my point. I want us to start thinking in terms of let's bless other people with our presence and with our words, with our deeds, with small things like that. Second word is acceptance. I show interest in people. I show acceptance of people when I show interest in them, when I include them in the conversation. When I see some new family standing over here in the foyer and and I can tell they don't really know anybody here very much, I stop the conversation I have with the person I've been talking to for 20 years and walk over there and I welcome those people. I speak to them. I let them know they're accepted. The third word is approval, a word, a smile, a touch can indicate we approve people. Affection. To learn to show affection. I know we live in such an immoral world. We have to really be careful with this. You really have to be careful with it. You know, it's a sad thing now. A school teacher is not allowed to put their arms around a little child because there might be some accusation of 
misbehavior of some kind. It, but isn't that sad? H- haven't you read about how the little babies who are not held, that it thwarts their, their growth, that babies don't thrive if they're not held and cuddled as tiny little things? We need that. That's the way God made all of us. We need affection. Somebody said we need five hugs a day or we won't be normal. I'm going to tell you, some of y'all need to start hugging. Because <laughs> some of you don't. Yeah, well, I won't get into that, but you need it. Affection, number five, is attention. Look people in the eyes and listen. And if you're talking to me, please put that phone up. I'm standing there, and this is somebody who's wanting to sell you something, and you can't talk to me for looking at that phone. Amen, amen. I've been waiting years to get to say that. I found the appropriate place to slip it in, didn't I? But uh, give people your attention. Number six is affirmation. Recognize good behavior. When somebody does something well, affirm that. And number seven is admiration. Admiration. Tell people that you admire them. And why? You're always very kind to me. Thank you for that. You see, you're expressing admiration. We are called to bless with our speech, with our words. Secondly, we're called to bless others by our works. Turn with me quickly. The book of Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And a passage that I have grown to love. Luke 22 and verse number 24. And there was a strife among them, meaning the apostles. And this is childish, isn't it? Which of them would be the greatest? They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the future kingdom. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. Now, here's the part. Underline this in your Bible. He that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For who is greater, he that sitteth at meat at the table and eats, or he that serves the meal? Is it not he that sitteth? The waiter is greater than the customer. But I am among you as he that serveth. Now, Luke doesn't give us the full account. But if you read the same story in the other gospels, here's what you come up with. These, are, these disciples are bickering about who's going to be the greatest in the future kingdom. And Jesus said, the greatest is not going to be who has the title, who is the chief, who is the big muckety-muck. The greatest is the person who serves. And then he explained to them, look, it's not like this in the world among the Gentiles, he said here, in the world's opinion of things. And then he explained to them how the values of this world, power and position and status, are so different from the values of the kingdom of God. The values of the kingdom of God are humility and service unselfishness, kindness, love. That's what 
God values in our lives. And in the world, people are bickering and clamoring for position and crawling all over. You know how it is out there, dog eat dog. And then the rest of the story then is after Jesus taught them that, the Bible says he took a towel and he girded himself. He wrapped it around himself. And he took a basin of water. And here is the creator, the son of God. And he gets down on his knees and he goes from man to man and he washes their feet and dries their feet with the towel. He not only told them to be a servant, he acted servanthood. Who is the greatest? Mark chapter 9 and verse 35 says it's the one who serves. Mark chapter 10 and verse 44 says it's the one who serves. And I can tell you this, we are never more like Jesus than when we serve. I found something years ago, and I love this. It's called the Paradoxical Commandments. It's by a man named Kent Keith. And here's what he said, and I had him put it up here so you could read it with me. People are unreasonable, right? Illogical and self-centered, but love them anyhow. Number two, if you do good, people will accuse you of selfish motives. Do good anyhow. Number three, if you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyhow. Number four, the good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Number five, honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. Number six, what you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. Number seven, the biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. But think big anyhow. Number eight, people need help, but they may attack you if you help them. Help them anyway. And number nine, give the best that you have and you may get kicked in the teeth, but give your best anyhow. In other words, bless people, not only with our words, but let's learn to bless people with our deeds, not expecting any great reward in this life. Now, I have a strategy. Let me tell you about it. Our staff and I have been talking about the direction for this year. And you know what we're really going to emphasize this year? We're going to emphasize service, that every member of this church ought to be involved in some type of service. Here's, a, to me, a pretty impressive statistic that I'm very thankful to the Lord for. In the year 2016, 991 members or people in this church served in some capacity. That's pretty good, isn't it? 991 people did something. Singing in the choir, teaching Sunday school, ushering, hospitality ministry, television ministry, and so on, all the different. Some of that are, are, are people who served at one snow cone at kids' camp last summer. But if, if you did anything, we gave you credit for it, 991. And that sounds pretty impressive except for this. It ought to be 1,881. It ought to be twice that many people because, man, we ran a program on our computer of the people who are members of our church 
that uh, are not involved in any type of service. And we found out there are more people not serving that are active members in this church than are serving. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you why you need to serve. The key to discipleship, to your personal growth, is that you serve the Lord through your local church. I promise you that. I don't think I've ever seen an exception where somebody was really growing as a Christian and not serving in some capacity. Discipleship means service. And so much discipleship today is, oh, we're having a Bible study, and we could paper our wall with the Bible study material we've been through. And the reality is we're not putting any of it into practice. Now, I challenge you, if you're not serving in some capacity, you come to me or to one of our staff. I want to see you serve because in serving, we are like our Lord and we really begin to grow. Lastly, quickly, we're called to bless with our speech. We're called to bless with our service. We're called to bless with, by sharing. We're called to bless others with our wealth. You know the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. There's one more. It's called the Forgotten Beatitude. The Forgotten Beatitude. And the Forgotten Beatitude is in the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. And there it says these simple words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You want to be blessed? You have to give. You give. You share. The stingy person is never going to have the blessing of God upon them. Now, I'm not going to talk a great deal about that because on the last Sunday this month, and please be here, this is critical that you be here. We have our annual chest of Joash. We make an anonymous commitment to the Lord's work with our tithes and our offerings, and you know about that. Just let me say, though, that when I talk about sharing, I mean more than giving money. I mean, wealth, the wealth that God has entrusted you and me with involves more than money and more than possessions. It also involves things like our time. It involves our talent. It involves our service. It involves our hearts as well as our money. And I want you to be involved in the ministry of the church and to learn to share even in a greater way than you do now. This past year, praise God, our church had an all-time record of income. The people of this church gave over $4 million for the very first time in in the church's history. Over $4 million. On the other hand, I know that we've just begun in all those areas. I know there are people that gave very, very little, and others gave a lot. But I don't just mean money. Let me tell you something that I know happened yesterday. There's a woman's visited Sunday school here one time, one time. Yesterday, a lady in our church found out that that woman is battling cancer. So what does it mean to share in the sense that I'm saying to, ha- to receive a blessing? Well, a, a lady in our church cooked them a big pot of soup, Cooked them 
chicken and dressing and gravy and cranberries and a whole wonderful spread like a Christmas meal, came by the church and got 50 pounds of food from our food drive and took it over there and gave it to that family. Sharing. More than our money, which is pretty easy in some cases because we're affluent people. It's more than money is caring about people and giving to them of ourselves and doing what we can to bless their lives. And when we do that, God says, I'll bless you. I'll return that. Now, what's the greatest asset that you have? What's the single greatest asset you have? You probably say, well, my house is worth thus and so. My retirement fund has thus and so in it or savings. I received a big inheritance worth so and so, my greatest possession. My greatest wealth is in my, I own some property. Are you a Christian? If you are, your greatest wealth is your salvation. The greatest thing you will ever have is that Jesus Christ purchased for you eternal life and he offers it to you if you will repent of your sins and come to him. You know how you share that? You share that by witnessing. We preach long and loud about people giving out of their money. Our money is not our greatest wealth. The greatest wealth we have is our salvation and our faith in Christ. Are you sharing it regularly and giving it to the people of this world that need it so badly? I hope you are. Bow bow your heads with me, if you will, please.